0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're just going to pick up the fourth Mishnah of the fourth chapter. So we're in the fourth and the fourth. And we're going to deal with arbitrage. You might call it tax avoidance. We're going to deal with getting out around the rules. And we're going to be surprised by the fact that the Mishnah seems to condone getting round the rules as if it seems to want to make it easy for the Jewish people to fulfill these mitzvot. In a minute we'll jump into the text but before we jump into the text and in order to understand where it's coming from I just want to repeat some of the principles of Marseille Sheini which we've covered in the last few weeks. All related to redeeming Marseille Sheini for money we've already learned that if the distance to Jerusalem is too far, one can redeem the Maser Sheni, to produce for money, and travel with the money to Jerusalem. And we learned at the end of the third Mishnah in chapter four, we, end, we learned at the end of the last Mishnah, that when we redeem one's own Maser Cheni for money, one has to add a fifth. And this is the Talmudic fifth. So actually, we, we would say we add a quarter. The total ends up as five quarters. Of which one fifth of the total has been added by the owner. And one of the surprising features of halacha is that a non-owner does not need to add the fifth. In other words, you can buy masershe, you can exchange masersheini for money at market prices. Only the owner himself or herself has to add the fifth when they redeem. And of course this difference between halacha for the owner and the non-owner the fact that the non-owner does not need to add the fifth provides an opportunity for arbitrage and for tax avoidance and we're going to see this play out in much of the rest of the chapter in the next couple of days i also want to remind you because we're going to come across these halachot today in in the third mission that, that we look at today that we always use we learned this at a very early stage we always use the local market price at the place where we redeem yeah if we transport from a to b and redeem in b we use the price of b and i think it's implied but we'll clarify today that we always use a time relevant market price so we use an up-to-date market price very similar to the situational valuation, which we looked at at the end of last week, where in case of doubt, we would look for three bids or three offers. We always use a time relevant market price. And, you know, we might have had a previous contract for sale, and contracts for sale can stand at previous market prices, but the redemption price is always a live market price. So, those are the principles. Let's jump into the text now. And just to remind you of the end of the third Mishnah. The Mishnah, the the third Mishnah ends. Someone who redeems his own. He puts on a fifth. Even if it's his. Or even if, even if it, it was originally his or whether it was his because it's given to him as a gift. So if you redeem your own ma you add a fifth. But now let's jump into the fourth. Let's jump in now to the fourth Mishnah. It's really interesting that the Mishnah begins. ma You can be deceptive. One can be deceptive al sheni arema aremut is deception it's an anagram actually uh, uh, aremut is deception it's a biblical word the serpent in the garden of eden is described as Arum. arum. we can be deceptive or, or tricky in terms of sheni how does it work you could say to your grown-up son or your daughter or to your Hebrew slave or he or manservant. These are all people with agency, with capacity. The Rambam comments here that when we have a Hebrew slave, we only purchase the work of his hands. We don't actually purchase his body. He's like a hired servant. So these are these these examples, the grown up son, the daughter, the Hebrew slave, the female slave. These are all people with their own capacity. And we can say to them, take this money and redeem this for yourself in other words you give the money to someone you know and you get them to redeem it and of course they're redeeming which is not theirs so they don't have to pay the fifth and then the missioner continues you can't say that to your son or your daughter who are minors or to your canaanite slave because of course they essentially are part of your household. And the Mishnah, is. if you like, right, the Mishnah is falling back on the legal definition of a minor as part of your household. It's, it's willfully, willfully choosing not to look at the fact that the practical definition of someone of your household really does include someone who's an adult son or adult daughter. But the Mishnah is going to make it easy for the Jewish people to redeem without paying the extra fifth just by relying on the legal definition only of someone who's really part of your your financial estate. And it's going to give a second example. Someone who's standing on the threshing floor and he's got no money in his hands. He can say to his friend, Look, I'm going to give you this fruit. So it's not his fruit anymore. It's his friend's fruit. And of course, his friend, if he now redeemed it, would need to pay the extra fifth. But, Jose Veomer, his friend would need to pay the extra fifth. But the original owner doesn't, because it's not his fruit anymore. Jose Veomer, these should be redeemed with the money that's in my house. So he hasn't even brought his money to the he hasn't even brought his money to the threshing floor. It's an off balance sheet transaction. But he's effectively converted the Maser Sheni into the money that is sitting in his house. Both of these are legal fictions and we'll learn a little bit more about these later in the chapter. But in between the mishnah is going to do a little discursus about market pricing. He took, someone took possession of Marcel Sheni for a seller. Now, we've learned before that when you take possession, when you form a legal contract for movable objects, you need to move the object. You need to, you, so the, the, the okay, mashach means to pull. And that's the term used in the Mishnah, but you can think of it as lifting it up. When you lift up, the object, the contract is formed, even if you haven't yet paid for it. And looking at, we learn looking at it the other way around, By the way, that paying for it without lifting it up doesn't create a contract. It's somehow it's in in the the in law of contract in the Mishnah, the Talmud, the act of picking up the object is the act that creates a contract to purchase movable goods. Um, land is different. As in English law, actually, at land is different, but for movable goods, picking it up creates contracts so we've created a contract someone has contracted to buy Maser for a seller. He's clearly not paid for it law he speak time before he had time to to redeem it i e to pay it but pay for it. the market price had gone gone up to two sellers. What can he do well? He gives him one seller. The contract was for one seller, absolutely. But what's happening? What's what's the significance? What's the um? He gives him the he gives him the one seller. Um, he makes a profit of one seller because the Marcel Chaigne is now worth two sellers. Uma Marcel Chaigne chelo so the maser sheni the prophet that he's now actually got two sellers worth of maser sheni and that's what that's what he has to eat if he needs to redeem that again or needs to eat it in jerusalem he's got to eat two sellers worth of maser sheni goes the other way too he, contracted to buy mar Cheini with two uh, with two sellers the price and the market price has dropped to one seller he gives him he, now now this is where it gets interesting he can give him a seller of chulin, and a seller of mar Cheni because he can the, the redemption value even though he's contracted to pay two sellers for this mass. The redemption value is now only one massarsheni, so from a point of view of the law of contract, he has to pay two. But the redemption price is only one, and that's why he can give him one seller of massarsheni and one seller of chulem. And the recipient, of course, then has to deal with those two types of coins separately. And then the Mishnah concludes: Imhaya ama aretz, noten lo mi." Noten lo meet demai. Well, this is the printed text, and I'm I'm just going to try to refresh it because I changed this source sheet slightly. The Kaufman has a different reading. Kaufman reads, meet demav from his money. So we have two readings of the Mishnah. We have meet demai, he gives him from demai, in other words, from money which is. Um, money which is linked to maser Cheny for produce which is dubiously tithe, which might have had maser sheni already taken out of it damav is his money and the rambam and the Barthaluri actually read this mishnah differently clearly they've got different texts the rambam reads it as damai in other words that if you're dealing with an Amar Aretz, you wouldn't give him real Maaser sheni money because you wouldn't trust him to deal with that properly in its proper way by taking it to Jerusalem and eating it in Jerusalem. So that's the Rambam. The Bartonur actually mentions, and the Bartonur, by the way, follows the Kaufman manuscript. In reading Damav, he should give him out of his money and and Noor explains there that means he should give him out of his hulin money in other words you just give him ordinary ordinary money which is not kodesh at all and look it's a puzzling it's a puzzling close to the mission we're actually not sure which way round to read it and uh, i can't i i mean i i both readings seem like they might be rational the Kaufman. I mean, the the Rambam is very careful normally about his manuscripts, and he makes sense reading Damai. But Kaufman is the most reliable manuscript we have, and it reads Damav with Bartonura. So I just leave it to your choice. And um, tomorrow we'll learn more about other kinds of financial arbitrage and deception. But that's all for today.